Good evening, students, and welcome to English class. Your teacher is out sick today, so we'll be watching a videotape she left for just such an occasion. I am your substitute, Mike Keller, and I am joined today by my good friends, Kit and Andrew. We'll be watching 1995's The Scarlet Letter, directed by Roland Joffe and starring Demi Moore and, oh wait, Demi Moore and Gary Oldman, uh, which coincidentally is part of Andrew's Puritan Chicks triple feature. I couldn't remember what we actually called it. Puritan Ladies? Ladies. Puritan Ladies triple feature. All right. Well, Imagine if this was really assigned in a class. <laughs> Kids would fail this the movie? test. <laughs> <laughs> well, not only that, but it's like briefly very horny. I yeah, think that's you true. would. I think you'd hear from the friggin' PTA, the Harper Valley PTA. <laughs> Probably. It's it's both way too horny and not horny enough. Yeah. Enough. When the, the horny moments are as confusing as they are. Yes. <laughs> sure. Um, it is it is interesting to me that this movie was made at like the height of like 90s like erotic thriller movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have not read this book. I assume <laughs> that it is a bit different than this movie. <laughs> no, this is pretty spot on actually. This is a okay. very faithful adaptation. I just I have a feeling it's a little different though. Um and so it's just I just kind of wonder if like there's if the you know the climate of the time is what is driving the way this movie is, so it's yeah. like the 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 source material and what we were doing with movies at the time are just completely at odds with each other. Yeah, I, I, f- I think that's I f- pretty much it. I think it's trying to be obviously Last of the Mohicans, um, and then also I think a little bit of Bram Stoker's Dracula. As well, which okay. a lot of things were trying to be. What was Bram Stoker's time. Dracula like? Was that a was that like a hit? Yes, huge hit. Was oh, it really? I had no, I had no idea. It's so weird that I would not have thought that. I knew it was like Let's a see. big like like the Simpsons parody that I knew it was kind of like it a made two hundred fifteen million dollars. Oh wow! Domestic. I didn't know it was that big of a thing. Cool. Still got to see that one against a forty million dollar budget. Oh, that's wow. not bad for the time, yeah. Or for Coppola in particular. Remember when yeah. you could make movies for forty million dollars and then they'd make two hundred and fifteen million dollars and then everybody would be really happy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was cool. Simpler times. Uh-huh. Um now you gotta make a movie for twenty million dollars and it has to make a billion dollars. Yeah. And even then, then people, people are will... still kinda like, eh, we're in the red. You know what's also crazy mm. is Scarlet Letter had a forty six million dollar budget. Holy that is crazy. Moly. How much money and did it, made it make? Not a 10 lot. Ten million. Yeah. <gasps> But it, why would this movie have a bigger budget than than Dracula? Yeah. Um, so for the film, uh, Andrew, you had seen it before. Yeah, I've, I saw it in, I think, high school. I watched it because Kit told me to hate watch it. Yeah, I feel like, okay. see, in my, my recollection of that is I didn't even really know that there was a 95 Scarlet Letter until you told me about it. That's my feeling is that you got mm. me to watch it. Oh, so you okay. blame each other. Yeah, that's interesting. But I was like, 
but I was very um, like for a brief moment, my personality in high school. Well, my obsession in high school was the Scarlet Letter. Okay. I we read it obviously like everybody did. I kind of remember, and I loved it. You talking about it a lot, but I mostly remember you being obsessed with X Files. Um, it was that same time period. Okay. It was like X Files, and then briefly I was really so into the Mike. Scarlet you Letter. you got the X Files kit, <clears throat> and I got the Scarlet Letter kit, but not yeah. like the good Scarlet Letter kit. I got the Scarlet Letter movie hating kit. Right. <laughs> I think I got. I think I won that one. I think you um, did. But yes, I had not seen the film before, and I was actually other than you guys saying that it's a bad movie, and Andrew saying he kind of didn't even want to watch it for the triple. Uh, not kind of. I did really. Did not. I was. It, <laughs> I was telling Kit when before we hit record that uh, I, first of all, I had to pay for this because I waited too long because I procrastinated and didn't want to watch it. Uh-huh. Um, and then it took me, no joke, it took me all day to watch this movie. Yes, it in took like me two days in, to watch it in like six minute chunks. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah, it's miserable. Um, so I yeah. I was I knew that it was not going to be great just based on what you guys had said, but I did not know that this is like a famously bad movie um, until I read the Wikipedia after the movie. Although I kind of I mean, I kind of figured it out like I figured out it was a bad movie, obviously, as I was watching it. But um, do you know what you want to hear a thought I had? Um, I think I think this is very smart of me. This movie to me feels like when you see a movie within a movie. Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Okay, I thought that was pretty it would, good. It would be like the parody, like Tropic Thunder, or of something. A, yes, a, yeah, of like, exact. Yeah, it would be like, oh, it's if Satan's we were Alley. gonna make, like, oh, we're gonna make Satan's a Valley. movie. Uh, we're gonna adapt this novel that's about, yes, repressed Puritans, and like, this would be the joke. So of yeah. the kind of movie Hollywood would make of that. Like, yeah. we're gonna make Demi Moore is yeah. gonna be a Hester Prynne. <laughs> But when I was watching this movie, like I got maybe twenty minutes in, and I, I recalled the the tra- the fake tra- the mo- the fake trailer for the fake movie Satan's Alley mm-hmm. from exactly. Tropic Thunder. That's the one with um, where uh, Tobey Maguire, yeah, Tobey Maguire, and RDJ play okay. gay monks. I don't even so remember funny. That. We just watched those. The me and Lee just rewatched those yeah. the other day. Just the trailers, and that one is so it's good. Good, it's very it's good. So funny. when he grabs his beads. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Just like the the, it's really really funny, and all the faces that Toby Maguire makes, it's awesome. Yeah. Well, anyhow, uh, what do we got for notes on this? I guess I, the, before we start, I had one note that I absolutely want to get in. Okay. Uh, the producer's name was Andrew C. Vajna. Vajna. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. No, he's a he's a big time dude. What's uh, his last name? Vajna. Vajna. So it's Vajna. just. <laughs> just so close. A hair's breadth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, hun- so that was he's, the first. He's I'm Hungarian. A- okay. That's Hungarian for a vagina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we know what he was Hungarian for. Hung- well, I, hmm. I was just picturing like, you Uh-oh. know, this is. You could just say Hungary for. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> We're off to a great and start. once and once again, Kit waves her PhD at me. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Yeah, he is a big time producer. Okay. Uh, he produced so many terrible movies, but also Tombstone and First Blood. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> the third Die Hard movie. Uh, I can see how all of those things would come from a similar mind. 
Yeah. Like how sure. that, how you could make a fun movie and then you could make an intensely shitty adaptations of adaptation of the Scarlet Letter. Okay, so something I thought of while we while I was watching this, uh, this is a pretty bad movie, but like, would this movie? You'd have to make some changes, but if this was not an adaptation of uh, Scarlet Letter, would this movie be as bad? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's a yeah. movie that so intensely does not know what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing. If you think about like, what is, what's the story of this movie? What is anyone's goal? Yeah. In the movie. Yeah. It's pretty unclear. No, no idea. Yeah. Really. The only thing holding it together probably is the, you know, foundation, or the, the skeleton of the story, right. which is all done. Pretty it's well, like, uh, it's poorly. like every five minutes we're in a different plot. Like we're it's, or there's nothing. Yeah. And also, like, you know, it should be noted that it takes an hour and 20 minutes of this movie to get to the, like, exactly an hour and 20 minutes to get her in prison, which, by the way, is where the novel begins. Really? Okay. The novel Whoa. starts with her in prison. There so is, no... is, she, is she reflecting back on? No. Like, oh, shit. So the, learn... the first hour and 20 minutes of this movie is just made up well it may surprise you to learn that the (laughs) novel the scarlet letter is not like a romantic story about a (laughs) about star-crossed lovers is there any Um, hot is there any hot like slave bathing or there's no slave is there any reason for me to read this book (laughs) no there's definitely not there's not that character is not from the book (sighs) okay (laughs) um there's no um Indian raids or war. there are um, no action. No, no babes. well, chill, like chilling. Hmm. There's no witchcraft, right? There is actually, there is, but okay. it's handled in a completely different way. So, okay. Um, Mistress Hibbins, who is played by um, Mrs. Wilson from the Dennis and Menace yeah. movie, that lady, <laughs> she, <laughs> she is actually, so it was actually, I don't, it was actually illegal, and it has been illegal since the 90s to depict witches as bad guys in movies because uh, girl power. Mm-hmm. But actually in The Scarlet Letter, uh, there's a witch and she's not a good guy. <laughs> she's like, you know, she. it's much more like, um, there's actually rereading it this time having watched The Witch the witch is a more faithful adaptation of the Scarlet Letter than this movie is. Yeah, I would say. Oh the, wow, that the is way interesting. That it, like the 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 lady in the window, the kinds of conversations. So she's it's this whole thing where like there's a. I think they do it in this movie too, where Hester goes to the governor's mansion. Mm-hmm. Anyway, in the book, Hester goes to the governor's mansion, and the governor's sister is a straight up witch. Everybody knows it, and she's like calling out of the window of the house to Hester, like. Do you want to come, you know, dance with the devil in the pale moonlight with like, me? Like an actual, an actual, like actual real witch. Not the, just everybody calls her a witch, but she's the like. Novel, the novel is a romance in the sense that it dallies with the supernatural. So it's not crystal clear that like the devil is real or the witches are real. But like mm-hmm. she is acknowledged to be a witch by the townspeople and treated as though she actually is one um 
she's not like a major character in the novel. She's way more prominent in this movie than she is in the book. Um, but hey. she asks, Sorry, she asks barking. Hester to <laughs> join her after that scene where they're going to take her. They're, they're going to take Pearl away, and per, and Hester manages to keep to not lose Pearl. And her answer to the witch is, "If they'd succeeded in taking my daughter from me, then yeah, I would join you." Um, but they didn't, so she doesn't. And and it's it's just another. It's kind of another illustration of Puritan hypocrisy because. Hester's being punished this way for this one mistake she made in her life where this other lady, because she's the governor's sister, is like screeching out the window that she's a witch. Everybody knows that she's a witch and she's fine. She's protected. Okay. Oh. Um, okay. Yeah, there actually is witchcraft. Um, there's no slave character. There's no Indian wars. Chillingworth, um, there's kind of a like gone native story with him where he spent so much time either captured or willingly among, it's not super clear, among um, Native Americans that he's now kind of adopted their, some of their, that's, you know, why in the movie I think he's going around like scalping people and stuff. Um, but there, but that's basically it. When I he, think, I, th mm -hmm. in the book, does he, does he like, pretend to be somebody else and plot yes to okay so that's like a except real it's thing. except it's way more understandable interest it's way more interesting like the book is in a way the book is a mystery because you don't know you know you you kind of start to pick up on it but you don't know at the beginning of the book that dimsdale is the father of the baby so when heather when hester's on the scaffold and he's and dimsdale is there saying like name the father of the baby like like he's pressuring her to name the father you you realize later he was talking about himself and he was doing some weird self-flagellating but like really cruel thing of trying to get her to admit to the crowd that he is the father of the baby hmm. um and then when chillingworth shows up hester's in a catch-22 because Chillingworth moves in with Dimsdale and is like treating him um, because Dimsdale develops this like mysterious illness because of his, you know, guilt and shame. And Hester can't say that Chillingworth is the father of her baby or, is, or sorry, that Chillingworth is her husband because that will obviously like compound. <laughs> like if her husband has returned, like that makes her sin like even worse. Um, but she has to let him live with Dimsdale knowing that he's seeking revenge on Dimsdale, basically. So, like, it puts, there's, like, multiple threads of intrigue, you know, <laughs> in the novel that are kind of obliterated by the movie. Interesting. I read the book, like, way back in high school, so I really don't remember anything other than just, like, the, like, two-sentence Lady has to wear a letter on her dress. But, uh, that it's, sounds much better. They should have made that movie. <laughs> this is the thing. It's like, it's crazy that a novel written in 1850 is more cinematic. Like, it begins in media rest. Like, it, ha like yeah. it has a lot more. I, I have to tell. I mean, honestly, reading it, the thing, one of the things that, like, holds up is. So, in this movie, 
did you notice how, uh, particularly in the beginning, the the number of times that Hester and Dimsdale run into each other, it's like they'll have a scene where they like are surprised to run into each other. And then we'll leave that scene. And then the next scene will be them being surprised to run into each other. Yeah. Again, but like yeah. not in a montage way. And then yeah. even when she's in prison, it's like no problem. They talk constantly once she's out and she's wearing the scarlet letter and she's trying to hide that he's the father they constantly are talking to each other in the book they are never alone together there are scenes where they're together but always with other people so there's not really any communication direct communication or contact between them but in the last really toward like the last act of the novel they meet in the forest which there's a you know kind of bastardized version of that in this movie and it is one of the most like electrifying <laughs> like things that I've read in a novel, that scene where they've been kept apart for so long and like not able to like directly discuss the central conflict of the novel. And then when they come together and the way that, you know, she takes the scarlet letter off, like there a lot of stuff happens that's, it's a it's a amazing climax to the novel and it would have been amazing in a movie <laughs> if the movie had been able to like like that's the other thing is like honestly the trailer for uh the fake trailer for what's the name of the Tropic Thunder movie Satan's Alley Satan the, the fake trailer for Satan's Alley does a better job of being sexy in like a surreptitious way where like like the beads thing where like these are two people who can't obviously can't openly pursue each other and so they have all these like you know sexy religious like <laughs> you know conversations which is not what the scarlet letter is it's not a sexy book but if you wanted to adapt it as a sexy book, I would, th or as a sexy movie, I would think that the way you would do it is like, okay, they're in this completely repressed situation. Like, let's have them, like, can you not come up with ways of like, oh, their hands barely touch across a Bible or like they're in a town meeting together and they can't, you know, they're separated by gender, but they're like, catching each other's eyes or whatever or she's watching him preach and it's like turning her on like there's almost like cliches of how you would make this a sexy movie but all this movie does is just constantly have them be alone together all the time that's true there is a really good there is a way to do that yeah i was just I, when you said that i was thinking of like um i was thinking of the movie shame and mm -hmm. there's a really good um, moment that's uh, early on in the movie where he's just standing on a tr on a subway and he just like makes eyes at this girl and she's like and it that's all it is it's just cutting back and forth between them having this like sort of conversation from like across a train car it's very subtle and by mm -hmm. the end of it uh like you think they're like about to go fuck just by looking right. at each other. Like the so. camera can be an amazing asset. Like we've watched me like Moonlight has stuff like that where yeah, we yeah, can yeah, tell yeah, just sure. by the way, you know, images are connected that there's like a sexual interest occurring. And this movie just they're in the same room alone all the time when the whole fucking point of the story is mm. that, you know, 
they can't be together. Yeah. I don't really know this director very well. I've seen The Mission. Uh, the Killing Fields is, I think, his big, like, it was his big debut. But He produced Super Mario Brothers. Movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I knew that. I knew that. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think part of me thinks that the reason we... W- that the reason it's like this, the way it's the reason it's directed like this, the way the story is that it's 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 because it's a big movie star movie. And mm-hmm. like, I just feel like something that's I don't know. Something that's going to be like that subtle, you're just not going to see in a big like Oscar Beatty movie star driven vanity project loaded bullshit movie like it's just i'm just trying to think of like what is what is what is a movie that has like accomplished uh that subtle uh like conveyance of sexuality in go ahead i think this time period though i i i think you're right absolutely but this is also two years after the piano for instance which made you know, this was a time period when you could make a movie that's just about normal people doing shit and it could be a huge fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. And the piano made $140 million against a $7 million budget. Dang. And it is one of the sexiest movies I've ever seen. While also being about, in a way, a similar... I mean, it's a... it's a That has her, you know, going... F- a kind of forbidden romance with the lady's husband, like in the as the villain in the shadows. Um, it's you know a 19th century, con- but basically they're among they're amongst natives. Like there's you know it's Jane Campion. If someone's gonna make like a Scarlet Letter into a you know kind of s- sexual thriller, I think this was actually the the best time period for that to happen in a way. Yeah. This would have been the best time period for you to make a de- for like somebody like Jane Campion to make a decent adaptation of the Scarlet Letter. And then yeah, that's if, you, okay. if you in, if you insist on making the Scarlet Letter this way, if you insist on treating yeah. it as a sexy story, which again it is not. Yeah. Um, I thought it was in high school, uh, but I then think... I then I reread it and it's not. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you. I I think I think the. Th- I think the thing that you're talking about is still, hmm, it it, it maybe it maybe you're right. Maybe it does get made by somebody like that, uh, you know, for thirty million dollars cheaper. Um, but like, yeah, it's just this is so clearly driven by ego to me. Uh, mm-hmm. so you have to like strip it of everything that makes it what it is which is a good thing but i'm just saying like you know obviously demi moore and her 30 years of smoking voice uh aren't in this movie i know movie. what is that <laughs> i mean <laughs> presumably people had like there had to be women with voices like that in that time period Do you know who the but other top contender is so implausible who sharon stone <laughs> other smoky like, voice lady to show like it is a parody. That, what are they thinking? It's truly but like they like it. those are the two top, yes. sexy thriller ladies of the nineties. Yes. Do you know who the third yep. person is? Meg Ryan. Yeah. Figure Wait, that she was one considered. Out. Meg Ryan was considered for the 
Meg Maybe Ryan this was going to be like a rom-com. She, no, Meg, yeah, Meg Ryan lobbied <laughs> super hard for this role. Weird. It's good, probably good for her. She didn't get it. Uh, I was going to ask though. Uh, so one of my notes is I've never liked Demi Moore. Uh, are either, no, me is she, either. Okay, is she good in anything? Like, no. Because no, it seems like really. she can Ghost, act. She must have been kind of like the hot thing. Uh, but I think this combined with striptease killed her career. I mean, you know, she's still around, but I think she's a better actress than Sharon Stone. I don't mm. because Sharon Stone has like casino. Like Sharon Stone can be Sharon good Stone in the is, right thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like I haven't seen Demi Moore. I mean, Demi, she's fine in Ghost. I would say, okay. but, but, like she straight up can't act. Like Gary yeah. Oldman, Gary Oldman is being asked to play just an impossible character. This is, I mean. I don't want this whole podcast to be me telling you things that don't happen in the Scarlet Letter (laughs) that do happen in this movie. But certainly the greatest offense to me as a as a big fan of the novel is what they do to Dimsdale is how every opportunity to create the tension and the depth of character that makes this like one of the you know, along with Moby Dick, like a classic of 19th century American literature is they take it out. They're like, we can't have it's so Hollywood adapting a movie. It's crazy because they clearly were like, I mean, Dimsdale's our hero. He can't be a bad guy like he has to be like the fact that they have Hester the whole time telling him don't confess um, cause it's not like she's holding his secret for him in the novel. She's, she's not really actively telling him you can't, te- you can't confess, but she's not willing to be the one to divulge it. Yeah. But you still get that. Like the, his hypocrisy is in some ways, he, in some ways makes him yeah the most contemptible character so in the novel. That was one of my notes was uh, Oldman certainly picks the worst possible time to finally speak up. Like the gallows is built. They're ready to watch people die. Maybe you should have brought this up earlier. Which, that's the thing. That's the thing. And that's true in the, in the novel. And so, so in, but in this story, he tries to speak up in the courtroom when like, she's initially being like accused or confronted and she makes him stop. Right. Which your movie is fucking dead right there yeah like this one happened to be dead before that but (laughs) any idea of adapting this novel is dead because the to me like the reason that hester print hester prince just one of the greatest characters and it's a real bummer to me that like we can't we it feels like still to this day at least in movies or in, in mainstream movies like we can't have a strong female character. We can't conceive of them doing anything other than fighting off rapists, being violent and giving like public condemnations of like men in general. Yeah. Like that's how you're a strong woman in reality, like Hester and fuck women. Hester is one of just the, she's so (sighs) admirable and strong in a really complex way. What she endures and the choice that she makes to basically be the only one in this entire community of hypocrites like that she in being 
punish, you know, and given this scarlet letter is freer than any of these other people because she accepts who she truly is. She has been put in the position of acknowledging all of the hypocrisy that these other people live with. And she's actually able to live with who she actually is. And the thing that tortures and kills, you know, all these other that kills Dimsdale is that he is the biggest hypocrite of them all and doesn't won't like publicly accept that. And then when he does at the end, like the movie does capture a little bit, like you're saying it's at the worst possible time in the novel too. It's like this very grandiose, like dramatic he steps up on the scaffolding with her and like rips his shirt open, which I can't believe they didn't do this. Yeah. But one of the most fascinating images of the novel is that the the illness that like Dimsdale has been experiencing turns out to somehow be some sort of, it's left to the imagination, but it's basically a manifestation of the Scarlet Letter on his chest, like in his skin. Yeah, I kind of remember don't, that. You don't know if he put if he put it there, if God put it there, if his like guilt manifested it or even actually like after the whole thing happens, he confesses on the scaffold and then he dies. And a lot of the people in the crowd say they didn't even see anything there. Like they say, oh, he didn't have anything on his chest. It was more of a metaphorical. He and he wasn't confessing to being Pearl's father. He was more speaking of sin generally that like, you know we're all sinners. So like, who are we to judge this woman? And in a, in a literary sense, I'm, I could be the father of this child Yeah. when obviously he was clearly saying I am the father, <laughs> but it was all, you know, you, I think there's an argument to be made. I made the argument that <laughs> the, his whole confession is designed almost to see, to sow that seed of metaphorical doubt in people's minds that even when he's telling his pure truth, he's doing it in a way that is so theatrical that, he still ends up being a martyr for the same thing that, you know, Hester has to be punished for, for her entire, <laughs> for her entire life. But the movie, the movie t- t- he makes him an uninteresting character because he has to be heroic, I think. Yeah. And good. And he has to be trying to do the right thing, even though, as you say, he's so clumsy about it, even in the film, like none of his motivations make any sense. And the fact that like, even when, like, he's bringing, seems to be bringing the, like, pitchforks to arrest that one witch. And then just for some reason, when he sees her being arrested, he's like, what have I done? <laughs> or something. Yeah. There's no, Hester doesn't, like, band together with, Hester's not, like, friends with a bunch of witches. She doesn't band together with them. There's no scene of, she's not almost hanged. That doesn't happen. Um, okay, because, yeah, I didn't remember any of that. <laughs> I was like, is is any of this from the actual book? Like the yeah. uh, the raid on the town at the end. Of the There's no raid. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> yeah. Pretty a, a surprisingly bad movie for me. Um. Let's see. I might. I really. I have notes. Uh. I can't. Comp- I haven't read the book for so long. I can't really compare it. Like kind of like you are. Um. But I can go through some notes real quick. I mm-hmm. guess. Um. So my first note was that Gary Oldman is dressed like Richard Stanley. Uh, Who's that? <laughs> the, the guy you the love Richard Stanley. Uh, he's he's um, Island of Doctor Moreau. He got kicked off of that, but he's always wearing like those hats and stuff. Um, you don't remember from that documentary, Lost Souls? Oh yeah, yeah. You love that. You love that weirdo. 
Yes. Um, I did like in the credits they put this was freely adapted from the novel by mm-hmm. Nathaniel Hawthorne. Um, I thought a, he looked like um, Riff Raff from Rocky Horror, kind of like his outfit. Riff Raff. I don't remember Riff Raff. I haven't seen Rocky Horror for a bit. What? Which one's Riff Raff? Not the it's, pale blonde um, Richard, guy. Richard O'Brien. Uh, That's just what his outfit reminded me of. Okay. I'm probably wrong. It's more like a tux that Riff Raff is wearing probably. But is he the one with the stringy like blonde hair? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I kind of know what you mean. Yeah. Like with the vest and everything. Um, oh. But he, he, I will say, Gary, I hate, hate, as I've said, what they do to Dimsdale in this movie. It makes no sense. It's a terrible character. But it's also like peak Gary Oldman. Like, oh, he, he, he loves this. Like, this is like really? one of his favorite roles. Wow. Yeah. He's such a, he's such a, he's never been hotter. So I feel like that could be part of it. Okay. And. Well, yeah, you got to smooch Demi Moore. It is cool. pretty. Imp- it's pretty impressive that he was like, a, I mean, in a similar time frame, like in the professional, you mm. know, and that's like an unrecognizable. I know that's like his thing, but he's like, it is very Daniel Day Lewis of him in a way to mm. like mm-hmm. he can pl- he can be. You know, this one time in his career, just like pure. Hot rom- Bono looking like romantic lead mm-hmm. and then go back to <laughs> playing, playing somebody with weirdos. a yeah Some weird, somebody weird with like a, yeah. a melty face or something yeah <laughs> um so i laughed at the cardinal the first time uh like kind of when she's like working in the field or i don't know her garden or whatever mm-hmm. and then the the cardinal leads her to his bare butt uh and then uh, i laughed again at the uh cardinal <laughs> like i don't know what the the slave what's her name Tituba? Mi- Mituba. Mit- I think it was Mituba. Yeah. Okay, because there's I think Tituba is You know, like a when you're you know, like the... when you're in band class and you're like, ah, where is Mituba? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um <laughs> we'll joke but, for uh, you. It's a good one. Thanks, dude. Um, sure. I, I should say I'm also I'm surprisingly buzzed. I haven't eaten for a while, so I probably shouldn't have had all that tequila. Tituba um, was one of um the witnesses in the Salem yeah, okay. trials. I, I was like, I know that name, so I guess that's where I was pulling that. But uh, but yeah, the thing with her and like the cardinal and she's I think she's bathing when they're it's kind of cut in with the sex scene between. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. (laughs) She was putting (laughs) she was putting that candle in her pussy. Okay, but like I have a question. Why? Yeah, (laughs) I don't. I don't. (laughs) Does it have. okay? does it have something to do with. uh, Freedom. (laughs) <laughs> i know i know this... i think i mean in the sense that yes i think i mean okay so uh, it feels tied so there's the first the first scene where we get glimpses of demi moore's titties through her like shirt window which honest yeah. to god that is i think that's an interesting frame for titties like that was kind of clever and could have been <laughs> sexy if it wasn't so baffling. But it's crazy that, first of all, no business being in this story. It, 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 again, just another way in which they shit all over the, you know, a classic novel. Yeah. But that is shot like she's being, like some perv is watching her. Right. I also don't know what Demi Moore is doing. Like, I mean, I know Demi Moore is like famous for having a good body, but does she turn herself on 
that <laughs> much, just like taking her shirt off. I've always just imagined um, that's what like hot ladies do in general. They just touch their boobs yeah, all day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's sh- it's shot like sh- like almost like Hitchcockian in the sense that like it's very clear to me that someone is peeping on her, and yes. I don't know if we're supposed to think that that is Matuba. And then if it is Matuba, I don't know what that means. Okay. I think it is. Fr- I think freedom, in the sense that, <laughs> like a sexual. That's well. I but I'm think what I was thinking is you know right before she goes to do that she sees that Hester yes. and Gary Oldman are going off to do something that they're 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 doing whatever they want basically mm-hmm. right it's something that and this is a stretch. I'm just trying to figure it out, but it's like, well, Matuba has lived her whole life, presumably not being able to do whatever she wants. And now she lives from somebody who's doing whatever her heart, you know, desires. So maybe this is like her exploring a piece of that. I think you. But why is it in the movie? I don't know. I think you, if you were making this movie and were like, let's insert a slave character. You would put that kind of thought into maybe how you wanted to <laughs> utilize that character. That's nice of you. I don't know why these filmmakers felt the need to insert this character, other than the fact that her name's. <laughs> it almost sounds like a joke, too, that there was a slave woman named Tatuba who was like one of the first accused of witchcraft in Salem, and this lady's name is. Mituba, <laughs> like, like uh, so I don't and and the movie does try to insert a lot of historical stuff because like in the novel like there's like at least brief mention of like Dimsdale ministering to the Indians and Chillingworth helps him because he's familiar with the Indians I think and but in this movie they make him like he's John Elliot like they're clearly trying to kind of connect him to a real guy. Um, and then the novel in the novel, governor Winthrop dies, which, you know, I assume that that is John Winthrop. Um, but I mean, it might not be. Um, and then in this movie, Gary Oldman basically reads the city on a hill sermon that John Winthrop gave when they arrived. Um, and, so there, there are, and then obviously, like the novel, there, there's a witch in the novel, but the novel is not about, the novel is not about the Salem witch trials, except in the sense that Hawthorne was descended from right. judges who were in those trials, and so for him, I think the this novel is a way of like working out his own kind of legacy of of guilt um in that but if they don't like figure in hester's not really hester's there's kind of a like magical possibly satanic aura that like surrounds her from like the point of view of this of the townspeople and then even she herself like wonders if her daughter is kind of like possessed by satan or some kind of demon um but it's not about like witch trials but i do think it's about the kind of the kind of society that would um, do something like that. Right. But in this, in the movie, they're like making, they're clearly trying to like be the crucible, you know? <laughs> See, yeah. That was one of my notes actually was it, it feels like they got stuck with uh, adapting the Scarlet Letter, but like what they really wanted to do was make a movie about the Salem Witch Trials. Like 
Um, they just yeah. completely drop the book and they're like, how can we make this about witches? And But I had also, I had totally forgotten there was that actual witch element of Scarlet Letter. But, uh, but yeah, it's odd. It's not a film. I mean, they would have... I don't know why they didn't just make... I guess because of the name recognition. <sighs> yeah. Which, yeah, but again... This <laughs> gives a shit. Yeah. If this... <laughs> This feels like to me like um, it, it feels like the way I kind of said this at the beginning, but I just like I'm thinking about like Get Shorty, just like the mm-hmm. way that movie characterizes the film industry yeah. and just yeah. like the way people are talking about movies. It feels like somebody started talking about it in Hollywood and then it like cascaded into the biggest movie of all time. <laughs> and then all these people jumped in desperate to make the scarlet letter in at that time and then this is what we got right do you kind of understand what i'm saying yeah definitely okay like, i, I, I like could almost honest... feel that as i was mm-hmm. watching it that like like there's actually one scene in particular when they are at the uh kind of the trial or whatever it would be where uh they see the witch's mark on the girl and then which they is cut... not in the novel what's okay yeah i yeah i assume um <laughs> But they cut to like the townspeople kind of up in the rafters. And there's this woman who just very like she's kind of like an older lady in the costume and everything. And she just throws her arms to the side and she's like, oh, the witches are here. Like, oh, Satan, there's something, you know, something like that. And uh, I remember like like that. It was like you could see the seams of the movie so clearly like this does not feel like I'm watching a movie. It feels like I'm watching the making or like not even like a parody. Like we've talked about like the Tropic Thunder thing. But like it's like this. It's like I'm watching like a behind the scenes making of like they just I don't know. Anyways, uh, this this sounds very like high school to me, but it's like <laughs> um, Nathaniel Hawthorne is v- very into symbols, mm-hmm. like very strongly into like setting up a bunch of symbols and then having them recur throughout the the story. And that should be something that should make this a very adaptable novel what about the cardinal kit (laughs) the cardinal (laughs) is introduced as far as i know in the in the novel there's the red rose bush okay which why didn't they just do that but they (laughs) they have um like i was thinking about so the the witch that we the one we just watched like the novel shares with that like for instance um Hester and other characters are constantly talking about the black man by which they mean, I think like Satan in the woods um, they have. And then the woods also in the Scarlet Letter, the woods are very clearly like delineated as like a separate kind of semi supernatural, but also just natural area, very separate from the town. And, you know, the, it's very significant that, the the confrontation that Dimsdale Dimsdale and Hester like finally have can only really occur in the woods where you know the woods are a scary place and an untamed place to the townspeople but they're sort of where Hester and Pearl make the most sense mm-hmm. um so there's all this there's just all of these very rich images in the novel that should translate really well to the screen if you can if you can take a kind of more I don't know, 
lyrical or poetic approach to the story because like while the novel does have like plot and intrigue in a way it's largely just people grappling with their emotions about an act that happened off screen um you know or outside the confines of the book so it wouldn't be like and if, and in a way it feels like like this movie where i was saying like it like every 5 minutes the story just changes to be a different story um and we never know what anyone's goals are i feel like that's an attempt to like insert plot into a thing that doesn't really have one that's mostly just like a psychological drama like that's what it needed to be which is weird because a sexual thriller in a way like has elements of that of just mm-hmm. like a lot of what you would be dealing with, like, yes, there's like some usually some kind of weird, you know, criminal plot or something. But that it's also just people like wrestling with intense emotions. <laughs> and this like, I can't believe that this novel has a scene where a guy rips his shirt open, presumably to reveal like a bloody letter A carved into his chest, either by himself or by God or whatever. And this movie doesn't have that happen. Like, yeah, yeah. Why? <laughs> why? Why do you want to do this if you don't want to show really, really super dramatic scenes or like there's just a really af- affecting moments like I like in the woods. I really hate the scene where Gary Oldman's on his knees and he's hugging Hester and, and Pearl and screaming, you know, praying to the heavens about how he won't deny his family because it's like literally the opposite of what that character is. The whole point of that character is that he is desiring his family and he won't embrace them. <laughs> like, but in the novel, the same, that same scene, he tries to kiss, like Pearl is constantly asking Dimsdale, like, hey, are you going to hold our hands in the, in the square tomorrow? Like she's basically you know, pestering him. Like I somehow she has this like supernatural knowledge of like how she came to exist. And she's constantly needling her parents about it, even as like a three-year-old. And she's constantly asking Dimsdale, like, are you going to, are you going to kiss us tomorrow? Like in the square. And so in that scene, Dimsdale tries to kiss her. He kisses her on the forehead and she like pushes him off and runs to the pond, to the stream to wipe his kiss off of her forehead and like it's very (laughs) that's a very I would think that that would be something that would impel you to adapt this those kinds of scenes Um, or there's supposed to be also like a comet that streaks through the sky and shows like a scarlet some people see a scarlet letter A Um, like all these kinds of weird sort of pseudo magical things like i don't know i don't know why they did what they did yeah (laughs) i'll never understand it so as you were talking i looked up uh who wrote the movie Uh, it was a fellow named douglas day stewart and some of his credits include the boy in the plastic bubble Mm. um the Blue Lagoon, An Officer and a Gentleman. Oh, God. And then this, Scarlet Letter. So, Any relation could... to Daniel Day-Lewis? What's that? Any relation to Daniel Day-Lewis? Uh, I don't know. Oh, I, I just closed it. Whoops. His middle name is Day, so probably not. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Still buzzed. Um, but yes, probably not. But uh, he does. It looks like he has a, an attractive daughter and wife. So that's good for him, I guess. Oh, good for him. Yeah, it's got good a Wikipedia picture here. I, mean, I think it's, I assume that's who those people are. Maybe it's two wives. I don't know. 
You know how they are in Hollywood, right, guys? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Anyways, sorry. I didn't mean to derail that. But yeah, you were just talking about like who would take this story and then do that to it. And I was like, well, yeah, who would? <laughs> so, the guy who did Blue Lagoon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty baffling. Um, most of my notes that I have remaining are kind of like like not not deliberately, but just like mystery science theater type riffs, which would be yeah, better. I'm interested. What's okay? Yeah, they better if we were like commenting on as the movie played. But it's but, but it's interesting to me to like watch it as it's hard for me to watch as a movie. Yeah, you know, and just be like, how would people perceive this if they had no idea about the novel it was based on? And I think it's still terrible. Right. But. <laughs> Well, are there people, I mean, I assume yes, like who think that this is what the book is. And they're like, well, what a, what a, sh- yeah, you know, yeah, maybe Andrew, they like it. Do you it, watch this but... and you're like, I'm pretty sure this isn't what the book is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just because I know that, you know, from life that the book is a classic and that this is terrible. <laughs> right. Like, that's, um, yeah, it's weird. And it is, it is, but, uh, you know, divorced from the source material, which the movie is striving to do anyway, apparently. Um, it's, it's also just like a really badly paced movie and, uh, like 20% of it is out of focus by the way. So that was fun. Yes. Okay. See, I, 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 so I downloaded it, what I assume was a Blu-ray rip and I wondered about that. I was like, there's something like fucked up with the version I got. Uh, Yeah. I mean, there are pretty, there are some pretty shots in the movie for sure. Um, there is some level of competence here and there. I did, I did think a lot of there, there was, um, First of all, we got to mention there's a fucking split diopter yes. shot yeah. in this movie, which was shocking. But I also, don't think in a better that's movie, that's an actual split diopter. I think it's just superimposed. It, it looked, it honestly, I thought at first I thought it was split screen, but it's definitely yeah. emulating I think it's, diopter. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, I think it's superimposed because they're both on really dark backgrounds and I okay. couldn't find the actual split in the screen. Right. So I think like they're, she's literally just. They're just like screening the blacks so that way you're or screening <laughs> through them. So you're just seeing uh, their faces over black. But I don't think it's actually split after. OK, but it would have been like that in a better movie. Like that is the perfect time. Oh, sure. To to use it yeah. to show his. Re- I mean, I would have done it in the scene where she's on the scaffold and they're asking her. Yeah, it, it it's just like in this movie, it's almost like adding insult to injury to be like, don't. Don't even think. But there were other parts, too, where I was like, the action is all shot really like there are some wide vistas that look pretty good and like, you know, seem, you know, worthy of the guy who did the mission or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. But there's a a lot of the action is shot really close up and very there's one horrible edit when Pearl is running through the living room. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, they cut in the middle of her crossing yeah. the frame. I don't know why. Um, and yeah. You know what I thought looked really good? Uh, mm-hmm. The wide shots of Demi Moore driving a wagon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm thinking of when I'm like, that's pretty good. There's also yeah. a shot, I think, it's a little unclear. Maybe it's one of the out-of-focus shots, but where she's being dragged to prison, but it's like, kind of an action shot where we're following Gary Oldman and then he like looks to where she in the distance is being dragged up the stairs and yep, then it goes back cool. to his. I'm like, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, there was also like a shot like early on. And again, this, this is where I started to suspect that this was like a movie within a movie, uh, was the shot of her arriving 
and it's this really kind of gratuitous thing where it just like follows the boats in the harbor and Mm -hmm. almost like touch of evil sort of thing and it's just like look at all this production value yeah look at all this money we spent (laughs) i don't know i mean maybe this is just influenced by like other media that i've seen about like puritans Mm -hmm. that town to me seemed way too bustling it just seemed like there were so many people people. it was so established it was kind of inconsistent in terms of you know, like the thing that I th- recall about, especially like this is seeming if the governor Winthrop who dies is that Winthrop, then this is pretty early. And I just kind of doubt that there would be that much like industry and sure. that many people around. Yeah. And also just like it's funny too, like comparing this to uh, the witch, just like looking at uh, the production design and just like mm-hmm. how not shitty all the houses looked uh and just like the 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 clearly machined boards and things like that like it's very it's very funny her everyone everyone's clothing um her windows even just beautiful windows (laughs) another thing too is like so one of the central recurring like motifs of the scarlet letter i mean i guess it's more than a motif it's like almost a plot point but what hester becomes after she's like ba- out an outcast, she start she's her em- her embroidery specifically mm-hmm. is so accomplished that people keep coming to her to make like like she's the one who's going to make the burial robes for Governor Winthrop when he dies. Like people keep coming to her. They come to her for everything except wedding dresses. Um, and there's a slight reference to this in the beginning where they say someone warns her in that opening scene like you might want to make your lace less beautiful. Although actually, as we learned from the witch costumes, that was one thing where they did have like very elaborate lace on their, on their collars. Um, But one thing that she does that sort of outrages the villagers is that she embroider. She's the one to embroider her scarlet letter, which Mm -hmm. we don't see that, which another is another thing that fucking shocks me. And then she makes it so beautiful, like her skill. She's so skillful at, at her art um, that she, that people are offended. It's almost like she's proud of it. And then when they show the Scarlet Letter, it looks such like machine embroidery. It does. That it, <laughs> like, yeah. it looks it really looks nice. Like, it looks like synthetic thread, <laughs> machine yeah. embroidered. Yeah. Like, so... I wrote that her um, so she at one point has a black dress with the A on it and it looked mm-hmm. like like a Superman or like an Avengers costume. Yes. It was weird. Um, but yes. But like the one in uh, like I was I was thinking about Easy A, you know, yeah. she sews yeah. an A and it's like kind of but in that movie, it's like a shitty just piece of like red fabric. Right. And then, like that looks better. And yeah. that <laughs> takes place in 2012 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, if that's the name of your fucking movie, you should probably think about. I know, because wouldn't wouldn't you think that yeah. the design, the specific design they want for the Scarlet Letter, would be a huge production design? Yeah. That would be like the most important question of the production design, because you think you'd think like, oh, this is going to be on the posters, like this is going to be the emblem of our movie is yeah. this letter A, and not first of all, it's not important at all to the movie. Yeah, like she wears it because I guess she. Technically, she's Hester Prynne, so she has to. But it's not at all. The movie has no interest in the Scarlet Letter. Yeah. Um, which 
genuinely like drives the developments of the novel. <laughs> the actual letter, you know, on her chest does. Um, and it looks like shit. <laughs> it looks, I mean, it looks like you're saying it looks not, it looks perfect and boring as opposed to like handmade by someone in the early 17th century. You know, I think actually, I just looked at this on Wikipedia. One of the issues was that the movie was sponsored by the Oakland A's. And so they demanded that it be. Uh... <laughs> it looks exactly like it that. It does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. What? Anyhow. Um, got any other notes, Mike? Yeah, I do. I've got some more. Yeah, some more notes. Okay. Um, uh, so the scene where Gary Oldman tells her, uh, tells uh, Demi Moore that her husband is dead. Uh, it truly plays like a comedy skit where he's like, your husband's dead. I guess we got a bang now. <laughs> like, you know, like, like they don't even like. You're right. Yeah. Th- yeah. In no way does it seem like he's just like, I'm so sorry to tell you. He's just like, real sorry. Your husband's That's- dead. You know what that means? <laughs> it's also like, I'm sorry to do this. It's yet another way in which the novel is more interesting because in the novel, she doesn't know what's happened to her husband. Like he's kind of presumed dead. So yeah. he sent her to America and then he's going to join her and he just never shows up. And okay. you can see like what a... <clears throat> horrible position yeah that is for her to be in yeah, it's right. like it would be better if he's if she could confirm that he was dead yeah um but when she and dimsdale have sex it's part of the fucking point is they don't know if her husband's dead you know it's so weird to like authorize the act that's supposed to be a sin right that drives the entire fucking story to like almost completely absolve them of it. It's like, yeah, technically it's like, it's basically like, oh, it, it wasn't adultery when they did it, but it became adultery because he actually is alive. Instead of like, no, it was adultery the whole time. <laughs> That's like kind of the flipping point. <laughs> it's so it's crazy. And then I personally thought for a movie that is just like trying to be a sexy take on the Scarlet Letter, that sex scene could have been a murder. I didn't, it, it's it bad. was not sexy. It's, it's not really sexy. bad. No. It's like that's like the, the point where they were like, okay, guys, we got to take this seriously. I'm, exactly. It's like, okay, we know, like Demi Moore, fully on board with being completely nude in a movie. Yeah. We've already seen Gary Oldman completely nude in this movie. We're watching a black woman diddle herself with a candle, <laughs> but like, let's. Like, like at least like even the way they use the weird beans in like the storehouse. I'm like, I mean, that could have been something, but like that's not shot in like a sensual that's not, way. Yeah, well, yeah, that's like, uh, like to me that just see like that made it so much less sexy. Just like you're having sex on a bunch of beans. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, the word beans doesn't help, but like I can see from a like from a um textural feeling. I'm like, okay. May, I mean, yes, you're obviously going to, like, be buried in beans. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually like, grain. Okay. It was grain, but beans is funnier, so I'm it going with like that. It looked like beans. I it's, don't know, whatever. It's, it's grain. If it's grain, then it probably hurt. But like, <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But, yeah, it's weird how the the sound she's making, the way that it's shot, like, we don't, we almost, like, I don't think we see his face, like, almost at all in the scene which makes it feel very much like an attack <laughs> you do see like, you see his face when she like grabs his schlong right yes yeah. but it's just like this this at least should you know free of context like maybe be a marginally 
sexy scene and it's just like horrible. It's and really then they bad. keep doing <laughs> they keep <laughs> every time they like cut back to this to this enslaved girl, they play this like chime sound, like you know, one of those <laughs> I'm like what are you telling? Is it the bird? Like, what's happening? And, it, and it's also stupid because, I mean, it pretty much establishes, I think the bird, if the bird was a thing in the novel, it would be, maybe this is the devil, or maybe it's nothing, or maybe, in fact, Hawthorne says that a million times throughout the book, where he's basically like, I'm not going to define this symbol for you, but these people would definitely think of it this way, but they're idiots, kind of. So, like... But it's weird because at least on some level, the bird is tempting them to sin. And so playing this like like chime sound every time it appears is so, I mean, that's stupid on it in any context, but it's very stupid in that one. Like, isn't the, shouldn't we feel, it's just weird that like, obviously, I think this movie got greenlit because like the Scarlet Letter has come to kind of mean, be associated with like naughty yeah. right sometimes yeah but then when the mo- every time the movie has a chance to be naughty it is like oh no 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 they're soulmates and her husband's dead and this isn't wrong in any way it's actually yeah. totally right like you would think the whole movie would be like this fe- this is wrong but it feels so right but instead it's like no it's right and it feels right and every everyone's good and these guys are good except for the husband and this is great yeah, and in the, in, the, in the book, though, he's one of the most interesting characters because he's very open. He's very self-aware of everything he's doing. Like, he recognizes, he acknowledges that he fucked up by sending Scarlet, or sending Scarlet, sending Hester here by herself. Like, that that was a mistake, and that obviously put her in a really bad position. Um, he knows that, like, getting being consumed by revenge is like not ultimately going to be good for his soul like he's just very like his eyes are very open in a way sort of similar to hester about like the paths that they've chosen he's just chosen a really bad one um and in a way he's more likable than dimsdale because dimsdale (laughs) is such a hypocrite yeah um but how does it end yeah it ends so dimsdale the so the, the thing that brings everybody together in the square is not them hanging a bunch of witches it's an election day sermon. So it's basically Dimsdale's going to give a really important sermon. Okay. And he gets up on the same scaffold. He's like, he's giving a, he's giving his sermon in the meeting house and he and Hester and Pearl are going to sail to Europe after this. Um, and he, and then in the meantime, like we realize, like, oh, Chillingworth has figured out that they're going to go to Europe and he kind of subtly lets Hester know, hey, I know and I'm going with you. So that pl- whole th- escape is kind of doomed. They have this like brief moment of feeling like we're going to leave and we're going to be together and everything's going to be OK, but it's obviously doomed. And then so he's giving his sermon. She's standing outside by the scaffold. He comes out and he sees her and Pearl and he gets on the scaffold. He asks them to come up with him and he confesses in a very dramatic theatrical way that he's the father. He reveals the A on his chest um, and then he dies. What? Oh, and, of his illness? Uh, yeah, of his guilt, of his whatever has been going on. It's also funny to me, sidebar, that 
there's a part in the movie where Demi Moore says, oh, you look thin when like Gary Oldman shows up and he looks exactly the same. But in the <laughs> novel, like Dimsdale is like deteriorating physically the entire time, um, which is cool and a fun little like, you know, yeah, gothic sure. element, I would think. <laughs> um, but they um, so then she and Pearl um, leave for Europe, I think they go somewhere they go somewhere. Um, Pearl, after her father confesses, she kind of turns into a normal child and she ends up growing up and like marrying no, into nobility. And then toward the end of her life, Scarlet actually comes back to Scarlet. You keep calling her Scarlet. Hester. Damn it. Hester comes <laughs> back to Boston and she, um, she lives out her days there and then some people like think she's like a ghost almost like there's all this you know hawthorne neon stuff and then when she dies there's a really beautiful passage about she's and she's become like an icon of this in this town and like they keep her cottage like the same as it was um like she's kind of like this like mythic legendary figure and over the course of the novel she becomes like an increasingly like charitable like she becomes a better person even over the course of the novel. Um, and then she's ultimately buried in the church yard with all the church fathers mm-hmm. next to Dimsdale. There's an awesome sentence that I wish I'd looked up, but it says something like close enough to be associated, but far enough away from each other so that even in the death, their dust could not mingle. Um, but they share like a headstone, her and Dimsdale. Oh, that's nice. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's the end. <laughs> okay, I guess I see why they changed that. <laughs> uh, I've got I've got more notes, but I'll go real quick since we're running kind of late. Uh, I've got notes too, and I'll go quick as well. <laughs> okay, so we have not yet mentioned the narration, uh, which was oh, okay. really bad, and it was clear that they that was maybe not entirely an afterthought, but it was done to patch over stuff that they just <clears throat> were trying to throw together. Because there's then- a scene where. Like we just totally gloss over Gary Oldman trying to break into like the little jail yes. where she's being held. And he and then uh, Pearl is narrating it and just being like, yeah, my dad really wanted to get in to see my mom. And like, he just couldn't do it. <laughs> uh, no reason for that to be narrated. It would be so much more compelling if we saw that happen. There's multiple mm-hmm. scenes like that where they just kind of yes. breeze over with narration. They, something they say something. The narrator also says something like um, uh, after that mom and dad didn't see each other for a long time or they cut, they were constantly kept apart. And it's like, this is not the part of the movie you want to show us like them not being able to be together. Also the girl narrating that was in last of the Mohicans. Oh, Um, interesting. Interesting. Also, also another kind of point of interest in the novel is like, what's going to become of Pearl? Like how can Pearl, like is Pearl also condemned by the fact that like her, you know her her mom like what how is she ever going to live a normal life right and is is she a demon like is she somehow a manifestation of her parents' sin or is that in Hester's own mind or whatever and then there's some comfort in the fact that we see that she like grew up to like be happy but of course if you have her narrate from the beginning of the film then any of that dramatic tension right. is sapped yeah so <laughs> yeah. Yeah, bad choice on the narration. Uh, at one point, Demi Moore says, uh, 
I believe I have sinned in your eyes, but who's to know what God thinks, which I thought was just a really dumb thing to say about adultery. Uh, (laughs) They're fairly clear about that. Um, uh, Let's see here. The good line that they have about that, where they say something like our, something like our love has a consecration all its own or something is actually from the novel. Okay. That's an actually sexy line. Yeah. (laughs) And Hawthorne wrote it, not these jokers. Um, so the guy, who's the character that like tries to rape her? I don't believe he is in the novel. Okay. I don't know what he was even doing in the movie. Uh, There's no yeah. attempted rape. See, attempted, you can show that a lady is strong by having a guy try to rape her and have him. That's right. She's not putting up with that. Right. I will I will so, say about the one thing that made me laugh about that character is like, you don't, from the point that uh, he kisses her and she slaps him and he runs away. Uh, at the beginning of the movie to that you don't see him again until they're in the courtroom. <laughs> yeah. And I love that shot where it's just like, I can't remember what exactly is happening, but it's something not in favor of, of Hester. I think, I think it's when they're, when they're saying that her kid has is a witch or something. Anyway, mm-hmm. they just like slowly pan to this dude you haven't seen for an hour and 45 <laughs> minutes. And he's just like, Oh yeah, now's my chance. <laughs> <laughs> So my note on him was, uh, he, he says, God, how I've wanted to poke you. And yeah. uh, my note was, oh, so it's fine when this guy says it, but when I say it, everybody <laughs> thinks it's weird. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, I, I wondered what did Robert Duvall think when he read for this role? Because it's just stupid and crazy. And like, like yeah. was he like, oh, I can't wait to sink my teeth into this character? Was it a big payday? I don't know. But it, it, he's like a fairly good actor i mean i mean he's like an established uh, yeah good actor um so he would yeah. actually be a great chillingworth i think yeah i think he is the right guy for it it's just <laughs> his character him so like getting why is he shaving his whole yeah he doesn't shave his whole body because like they show him and he's like shaving his stomach or whatever stomach but yeah. It, yeah. when you see him the next time you see him He's still got a hairy chest, so he's just <laughs> shaving his just stomach. Shaving his stomach. Yeah. Just he was the planning on like being a poo bear it's, uh, kind of it's, costume. Yeah. It's his tummy tum tum, like he says when he's talking to Pearl in the court. He says, <laughs> now I'll show you my tummy tum tum, and let's see your tummy tum tum. <laughs> nothing yeah. weird about like lifting up a girl's dress in the middle of a courtroom. Yeah, it's very, yeah. And trying, and like why That's the place bother? to do it, Mike. Yeah, that's why, true, Here's yeah. the thing. Why bother trying to like, he's obviously in that scene trying to like, um, get her to show her stomach. Right. Like, but then he just ends up ripping up her dress yeah. anyway. Which is so really why not weird. just start with that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, I got a couple more and then I'll get to uh, uh we can do your guys's. Um so I might be wrong about this because I do not know my history comprehensively, but especially costumes and like or not costumes, but outfits. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that when they're up there on the gallows, that those are Spanish conquistadors outfits as opposed to like <laughs> That's anybody that like, would have yeah. been in New England. Yeah. <laughs> like nothing uh, really looked right yeah, to me. It was very odd. Um, I liked <laughs> when the uh, Native Americans come to raid the town at the end and uh, they like <laughs> all the like people who had just been kind of living in the village, all the, the natives who had just been like living in the village and like, you know, maybe they were in servants or something like that. Uh, maybe enslaved I don't know but they all right before the Native Americans raid they shove them all into this like little I don't know mm-hmm. fenced area and then when the uh, the 
tribe comes to like raid the town, they open those gates and they're like, run my, bo- my brothers back to the forest. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like they're freeing, like, like it's like, um, like they're, fr- they're freeing lab rats or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, it's like those people were volunt. Well, I assume it's some of them were they voluntarily were probably, living they were in the probably town. in school. They were, they were, okay, yeah. I think it was supposed to be like a school, which is a little anachronistic, but whatever. Probably okay. half of them were born there. Yeah. And they're just like, run back to the forest brothers. <laughs> Uh, so I like that. Uh, okay. And then the very ending. Oh, actually, no. One other note was that during that battle, I guess, uh, some of the characters have like the blood pressure of uh, Quentin Tarantino's characters where like they'll get hit and it's just like sprays like <laughs> yeah. crazy. Um, I ca- I'll be honest. I kind of skipped through that part because it was getting late. And also I'm like, okay, this is just a battle that's not even. Has I know this is irrelevant to the story. Yeah. Um, I mean, even the movie story that had you got to get that R rating. Yeah, well, it's similar. It's similar, Mike, to yeah. to when when like what you were saying when they're like your husband's dead and they're almost like happy about it. Yeah. It's like the scene after this raid basically is like now we get to be together. Hooray. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, so that's end of movie. <laughs> yeah. The next note is why is the city leader apologizing to Hester? Like Gary Oldman says something like they don't want to find out about it in England. So they're going to, you know, they're going to treat you right now. Uh, but yeah. That, none of that made sense at all. Uh, and then my final note was I really, I want to know like in some sort of a DVD bonus feature or something like what was the premiere screening in Hollywood? like for this movie because it's it's (laughs) i bet it got a standing ovation that's yeah probably but i wonder if like demi moore and like gary oldman were just like kind of like sunk down in their seats like oh shit gary Gary yeah he loves it i think he's lying i think he's lying okay maybe well probably but here i know that um after it got a you know terrible terrible reviews and absolutely bombed at the box office they released it in the uk with no review cycle ahead of time (laughs) Okay, <laughs> they pre- like they did a premiere in the UK. Yeah, that's all. That's, I wonder if that's they bought it. I guess apparently and not not enough to make it a hit. No. Um, okay, so those were my notes. What do you guys got? Um, uh, go you ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay. Um, I just want to say right off the bat, we get that classic trope of feminist remakes of scorning women for being able to read. When obviously anyone who knows the first fucking <laughs> thing about Puritans pretty important that everyone is able to read <laughs> and in fact massachusetts colony passed the first universal education laws anywhere in the world um at around the time this story is set yeah and obviously also do you really think that people who are teaching like native americans to read have a problem with women being able to read um that was really really stupid um robert prosky does not read puritan um he, I know him best as the boss in Mrs. Doubtfire, uh, the guy who he's oh, going okay. to have dinner with. And then, like, seeing that guy sitting <laughs> at the table in those cards, I'm like, no, man. Um, let's see. Um, sorry, you can cut this. Um, I, yeah, I just want to reiterate how funny it is how frequently she runs into Gary Oldman <laughs> at the beginning of the movie. Um, um yeah blah 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 sorry that's okay um oh yeah there was a ton of crappy slow-mo in this expensive movie yeah why half of it in the sex scene 
exactly. But that's the other thing is it's like you would think if you're like oh, we're making a sec we're making the Scarlet Letter as a sexual as a sexual thriller mm-hmm. that you would have your slow mo ready Dialed to go. In. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, you know you're gonna okay. So then oh another one of the things we talked about some of the other historical things that they're clearly trying to like include in here, but the scene where um they accuse they accuse Hester for like a second time. Um, they're saying, they say something like, we, like, she's saying like, why shouldn't, I mean, women should be able to like, uh, you know, read the Bible too, which like, yeah, duh, Puritans already think that. And then they say something, yes, but we don't expect you to teach it to other women. And actually that's exactly what Puritan women did. And they did expect you to do it. And what they're trying to do is an Anne Hutchinson thing there, clearly but what on Hutchinson got in trouble for was for teaching men so again why delve into it why add this thing if you don't even understand it and 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 it would have been just as effective slash ineffective a choice if they'd say if they'd shown Hester teaching men I guess um very 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 stupid um Yes, the opening of the novel doesn't happen until an hour and 20 minutes into the movie, which is insane. Um, um, it does. The movie does a really terrible job of showing the passage of time, I think. Like, yeah, at least seven Without years question. pass in the novel. And I think it's the same here. Nobody gets any older. Nobody like Hester is supposed to kind of lose. She's this very like Hawthorne describes her as like having noble bearing and then. She's changed into something more severe, understandably, by the trials she undergoes. And then obviously Dimsdale is supposed to be getting like sicker and more physically fucked up the whole and and mentally more insane the whole movie or the mm-hmm. whole story. And none of that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I guess it should go without saying that like the the court accusation of Pearl never happened. They do try to take Pearl away from Hester, but it's not done in a court. There's no, there's like three court scenes in this movie and there are zero in the book. <laughs> um, um, no Indian attack. Um, and as I said, you may be surprised to learn that they don't actually live uh, happily ever after. <sighs> these two people. Somehow yeah. these two crazy kids couldn't actually make it work. <laughs> what you it. got, Andrew? Um, mostly just about like, uh, the passage of time stuff that Kit was mentioning and the pacing, um, just the the way they meet each other. You know, she watches him bathing, and then me- mere moments later, uh, she runs into him on the way to church, and then sees him at church, and it's all just it's it's baffling. And then they this- run into each other like three times in the same day, because then the bookstore yeah. thing happens right after that, I think. It does, yeah. So then, and then they see each other, and then they see each other at a bookstore, and then he brings the books back. There's one little insert between those two moments, and then, and then that's where he professes his love to her. I know it was so that was so crazy. It it made me cringe so (laughs) fucking hard because I yeah it was so it reminded me. I think that's like one of my number one like things that I hate in movies is when you try to convince me or when you unconvincingly tell me that two characters are in love Mm -hmm. after a few chance meetings. Well, especially when 
they inserted an hour and 20 minutes of <laughs> yeah. story right. just to build a love story into this. Yeah. And that's how clumsily they yeah. do it. Like, yeah, absolutely. In a whole, that's a whole additional movie that they couldn't make us believe that these two people love each other. And they do nothing but run into each other. It's not like, oh, the movie kept them apart and then expected. It's like different from other rom-coms where it's like, they don't spend enough time like chilling or whatever, or we don't see the development of the relationship. Here they do nothing but like talk to each other and we still don't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Crazy. Yeah. It is pretty crazy. Uh it's the, you know, I think it's the hubris of it's the hubris of Hollywood. Like, oh uh, we you know, some executive has got somebody dropped the scarlet letter on some executive desk and then they're just like Yeah. All right. Throw this in the trash. Start from square one. <laughs> well, and I swear Gary Oldman is like a different person from scene to scene. Like in the first mm-hmm. scene where they meet on the road, he's kind of like, he seems like he's this like strapping. And I know it's supposed to surprise us to find out that he's a minister. But then after we find out that he's a minister, the scene in the in the library or bookshop or whatever, he's like a he's almost like a nerd. <laughs> he's like a kind of bumbling, sweet yeah. nerd. Totally. Uh, like, right. Who and, the hell and is and this Right guy? before that, he was like super confident. Super yeah, he's like yeah. screaming his sermon. You're totally right. You're totally right. That's very, <laughs> very funny. Uh. <sighs> yeah, this movie sucked. Um, really bad. Like, really, it's really bad. It's so horrible. <laughs> I re- I, I'm listening to Kit. Like, it's super interesting. Everything you had to say. I honestly, yeah. I wish I, I, I'm sad that I have not read this book. Uh, it sounds very, very good. <laughs> that could be changed. It is good. It's really good. And yeah. I'm really glad that I got to read it again as like a new. And I would say, like I said, the first time I read it, I was like, oh my God, this is so sexy. Dimsdale is is so hot. The second time I read it, I was like, Dimsdale is the biggest piece of shit on the planet. And then this time I was like, Dimsdale's definitely still a piece of shit, but I have a little more empathy for him. He's in a bad situation too. And I have much more, I much more admire the way that Hester handles it and even Chillingworth, because at least he's honest about what he's doing. But Dimsdale got a, you know, he doesn't have it easy either. I want to throw They're in. They're all victims. While we're talking Hawthorne, uh, Scarlet Letter is good. I, I Again, I should probably revisit it. It's been a long time. But Twice Told Tales is a book of his mm-hmm. short stories, and it's like one of my favorite things I've ever read. Um, so if you like Scarlet Letter, Andrew, you got okay. another, another recommendation. <laughs> there, another, one, one last note I had is just the way Hester is in this movie. Just There's something about the way she arrives in this, in yeah. this place that's very arrogant to me. And um, there's a really, yeah. One of my favorite books is uh, Sound of Waves. And that book is all about, like, it's like a forbidden love story, but it's, like, about characters who understand the responsibility of living in the society that they live in. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is such a powerful thing that characters in movies, especially American movies, just don't. They never, we never see that. Um, so yeah, like there's just part of me that's just like, you deserve what's coming to you. Right. Which, and of course, she is nothing like that. Sure. If anything, she, she, she almost more accepts the actual consequences of living in that society while, rec- it's like while recognizing, there's something like, like I said, in putting the scarlet letter on her and marking her as this like official outcast, she is 
submitting to them while also being freed from their constraints, which is a remarkable metaphor for religious faith. Uh, but, you know, again, I guess too sophisticated for these fucking yeah. assholes. And another, and, 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 you know, one more thing on the pacing, just she goes from fucking Gary Oldman on the pile of beans to, <laughs> <laughs> to per- pregnant, uh, and then refusing to, uh, to like give in to the leaders of the township in, I think, a record 90 seconds. <laughs> and again, this is in the hour and 20 minutes they added <laughs> yeah. to the movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wild. If you want to show her whole pregnancy or their whole relationship, like there's fucking room for it. But again, obviously, the mo- I would almost think that like you'd think it'd be the opposite, that the novel would have that whole backstory leading up to her trial and some filmmaker would go, well, we only we don't have as much room as a novel. So let's start in media res. And <laughs> instead, like Hawthorne gave them something closer to a movie <laughs> script and they added a bunch of shit to it. Uh, Hollywood. There is something satisfying about, you know, a movie failing so spectacularly yeah. and, and knowing and that it. and these people did not like they didn't get off completely scot free either. I mean, this is right around the time that Demi Moore stopped being was on her way down. And uh, I mean, the, peop- the people who got up, who really got out of this. OK, are Gary Oldman and Robert Duvall. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. We're OK with that. I actually, I think I read that for. Striptease. That she was like one of the highest paid. She was maybe the highest paid actress in yes. Hollywood at the time. Yes. And so this would have been right before that. So she was like really rising. Um, yep. But uh, I don't know, bad agent or maybe just bad taste of her on her own part. Oh, anyway. All right. Bad acting, I think. Yeah, that is true. I, I like I said, I've never Great really liked agent, her anymore. I think in a way. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Maybe. <laughs> I think too. It's like it's a case of it's the 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 in a way. In a very superficial way, it's it's a matter of the source material hanging over the script. Like it's like the script does not matter because this is the Scarlet Letter. Yeah. And everybody knows the Scarlet yes. Letter. Like it does not right. matter that we took a dump between 120 <laughs> blank pages. Cause it's the Scarlet Letter. So yeah. I you know, it's it's meant it's it's going to be this like austere career devi- defining role, no matter what right. we fucking write. Yeah. Well, it's almost like when I mean, you talk about the actresses that they're considering and Meg Ryan lobbying for this, it sounds like insanity. Um but it's it sounds like uh, Gone with the Wind and like people lobbying to play Scarlet, which is another reason I keep calling her Scarlet. Yeah. <laughs> um like that that there was recognition that like, oh, this is going to win us some motherfucking Oscars. <laughs> right, right. It's just people, it's people, it's, it's, a, it's a movie that's created by, by gossip, by people yes. talking about yes. the role of Hester Prim is, is the hottest thing in Hollywood right now. Yeah. And, Go- and that's what Gone with the Wind was, except it, then they also just like made the best movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in some ways, it's good that the star system has kind of died. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, it's, it certainly had its excesses, and this is uh, this is one of them. This is this one is of one them. Yeah. Of them. Yep. Um, I think I actually thought about this before. This isn't something I'm just coming up with, just because I have to pee really bad. Um, I think it wouldn't really be right to do a cruise minute for this uh, because this movie was so bad. Do you guys? Is there something you would really like to to do for a cruise minute, or do you think we could skip it? I w- I want to say that um, I would have Tom Cruise play Chillingworth. Sure. Yeah. That'd be fun. And, yeah, mm-hmm. in a good 
version, a good adaptation. Yeah, if it's, if it's the right, <laughs> if it's actually Chillingworth. Yeah, I do kind of, this actually, this did make me want to both reread the book, but then also like, I'm sure that there are multiple adaptations of the Scarlet Letter. One of them. There's probably, a really old one from like the 30s. Okay, I was going to say, there's probably like a comedy. Really? Wait, yeah, really? It's a comedy. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah. They they inserted a bunch of comedy to kind of lighten it up. So have huh. fun with that. Well, maybe not then. Maybe, maybe I'll just read the maybe, book. Maybe Tom Cruise, please read the book. Maybe Tom Cruise would play Dimsdale. I think the intensity, like Tom Cruise would play a really good preacher. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but you know, so he's like, I feel that. like he'd play a good, bad, like a bad guy preacher. What is he? Uh, Dimsdale's a bad guy. <laughs> have he, has he ever spoken or has he ever played like a Christian role or has he ever like... I know he's a Scientologist, so I don't know. How, I know those aren't yeah. really compatible. Uh, I don't think anyways. he does a lot of. He doesn't do a lot of period stuff in general, other than vampire uh, interview the vampire and last, last samurai. samurai. What was the, the Irish Far one? Away, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really all I could think of, though. Yeah, I'm sure there's one. I mean, or two Valkyrie others. technically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. He, but right. I do think I do think he's a difficult guy to slot in mm-hmm. to that. One of the biggest reasons I was so hesitant to do this triple it was because of this movie because I don't I don't fucking know like yeah. this is, it's I don't I don't know I'm no. and I'm not gonna read the book uh, you should to, it really is no I'm just saying I'm not good I'm not saying I won't read the book I'm saying I'm not going to read the book and watch the movie in the same yeah. week or whatever sure. you know it's just not gonna happen I feel like yeah. I have to if I ever have to watch this movie I have to read the book to cleanse myself <laughs> yeah but film. you you read books like Johnny Five so I mean I don't but whatever yeah it is easy to read a book you've already read a thousand times. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay. Thank you for joining us tonight, folks. Please join but us Mike, next wait. week. The what? listeners they want to the listeners want to know what we're gonna watch next week. Oh, thank you. Gosh, I just almost breezed right through it. Dumb Gosh. dumb. It's good to have a friend like you. <laughs> um please join us next week for Fanny Lie Delivered, also known as The Delivered, if you're in the UK. But I don't I think uh, probably a pretty small percentage of our listeners are from the UK. I mean, a small percentage, but that's still thousands of people. Well, yeah, true. <laughs> so if you're over there in the UK, just, you know, go to your local video shop and uh, shop know, look for the delivered. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so join us next week. Uh, slow motion triple feature was recorded in Mrs. Jenkins junior year English class. Special thanks to our producer, <laughs> Lee, the man in the booth who makes it sound great. And if you'd like to contact us, please do so at slow motion triple at gmail dot com. 